Hey family, before we get into today's episode, I just have a quick question. What is something that God has told you to do this year that you still haven't done? Why are you still sitting on it? Maybe you figure since it's so late in the year, you can just push it off to next year. But I have some news. God isn't waiting until next year for you to be obedient. He wants you to get it done now. And I want to help you do it. God put it on my heart to host a free class called From To Do To Done. It's going to take place on Thursday, October 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In this class, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know to go from excuses to execution. I'm going to be teaching you the top three reasons why projects don't get completed, how you can follow through and complete your projects, and even throw in some time management tips for overthinkers. This is not your typical class where I'm just going to hype you up for nothing. We're getting to the root of what's really been keeping you stuck, and I'm going to give you the same strategies that have allowed my clients to go from confused, overwhelmed, and stressed to confident, clear, and focused. So click the link in the show notes to save your spot. I'm only taking a limited amount of people, so do not wait. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. You're listening to the Organize My Thoughts podcast, where we teach you how to get out of your head so you can execute the vision. I am your host, Kyla Jackson. Let's get started. Hello, family, and welcome back to another episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. Y'all, can you believe it's almost October? Like, I'm actually shook that we only have three months left in this year. It's really blowing my mind, but this has been such an amazing year. It's going to continue to be an amazing year. It is not over. You still have three months for God to move in your life, and I'm just excited. I don't know about y'all, but I am in high expectation for what God is going to do, and Nothing can shift me from that place. So I hope you all are having a great week and let's go ahead and jump right into today's episode. Now, today's topic is perfectly in line with the title of this podcast, Organize My Thoughts. And I'm so excited to talk about this because God has really been talking to me about the importance of our thought life, the importance of what we think, what we allow to take over our thoughts, like what we allow to lead us in our thinking. He's been really stressing that to me um, in my quiet time. And it's something that I've been actively trying to work on because sometimes the enemy of our progress isn't an external factor, but it's our thoughts. It's the way that we think about ourselves. It's the way that we think about God and how we view our role and what God is doing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, someone said to me that my underdog season was over. And I remember being grateful to hear that word. And right after the word was given, as I began to profess that over myself, God reminded me, he said something so powerful. He said, the only person that ever saw you as an underdog was you. And when he said that to me, It's like 
all of these lies that I had been believing about myself were just exposed and like ripped open in this moment. All the lies that I had believed, the thoughts that sounded like my own thoughts, but were thoughts that the enemy was planted. It's like God revealed them all at once. Like all of a sudden, I began to see where the lies came from. I began to see the plan of the enemy to try to get me to shrink and to hide and to downplay my gifts and what God has called me to do. And as long as he had me thinking that I was supposed to remain quiet or I wasn't as qualified or I needed more time before I could speak on something, as long as he had me thinking like that, then I always, I assumed the identity of an underdog. And what's interesting to me is that a lot of people talk about the underdog mentality. They always say, you know, I'm rooting for the underdog. I'm rooting for the one that nobody has expectation in. But a lot of times that underdog mentality is something that is assumed by the person. A lot of times people actually see the potential in you and they will either hope that you don't see it or they will try to compare you with other people in order for you to, again, continue to shrink. But a lot of time, the underdog mentality is something that's adopted as the identity. It's not really a true definition of who you are. And when I looked at the definition of underdog, it meant a competitor thought to have little chance of winning a fight or contest. And so even in the definition, you can see how This is actually a perspective of how someone else views you. And I truly believe that after sitting down with God, that the underdog identity is developed when people do not have confidence in who God has called them to be. God has created each of us with our own unique identities. He said that we are more than conquerors, that we are victorious, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthen us, that he will bless the works of our hands and all of these things. But yet when he tells us to do something, instead of our focus being on the God where there is no limits, all of a sudden that underdog identity that we've adopted takes over and we begin to say, I don't think that I can do this. I don't think that I'm qualified. So-and-so is more qualified than me. The last time I did that, it just didn't work out. And we begin to move quietly, right? We may get an idea from God and may be excited about moving. And then all of a sudden, our thoughts, that underdog identity starts to speak. And it causes us to shrink and tiptoe around being obedient. And it it really just blew my mind how our thoughts can cause us to adapt an identity that is completely opposite to what God says about us. An underdog, synonym for an underdog is victim or prey. Where in the world do you see in the Bible that God ever calls us a victim or prey? He's called us the victor. He says that we are the lender, not the borrower. We are above and not beneath, right? And so I've been really thinking to myself, like, what is the disconnect? Like, how can we read God's word and see what he says about us and still not believe it? Why are we so focused on our capacity instead of God's capacity? And I really sat with these questions because I see, you know, not only did I experience this, but I talked to so many people and I see the potential in them. I see the call in their lives. I see the visions and things that God has placed on the inside of them. I hear the passion in their voice and I I see that they really want to move forward. But 
the only thing that's stopping them is really their thoughts. Sometimes people think that they need more education or they need another certificate or they need, you know, more time. But really, it's, it's the identity that really stops us and keeps us from being all that God has called us to be and really having the faith to believe in what God says about us. I think that's the biggest part is having the faith to believe that one, God is who he says he is and he has the capacity to do what he says he will do, but also that we are who he says we are. So again, as I begin to ask the Lord, how do we break out of this space of these false identities that we have believed about ourselves and come into a place where we are fully convinced about what God says, not only about us, but about him. And there are two scriptures that I want to give. One of them is Romans 12 and 2. And I'm going to read it from the easy version. It says, do not become like the people who belong to this world, but let God completely change the way that you think so that you will live differently. Then you will understand what God wants you to do. Then you will know what is good. You will know what pleases God. You will know what is completely right. Now, the part that stands out to me in this scripture, which most of us are pretty familiar with, is is the part that says, let God completely change the way that you think so that you live differently. So in this scripture, we're seeing the correlation between our thoughts and how we live, our thoughts and our actions, our thoughts and even how other people perceive us. You can have such a low view of yourself that other people will begin to treat you the way that you see yourself. They will begin to take advantage of you. They will manipulate you. They will talk over you. They will not respect you. And it's all by the way that you carry yourself. And again, how you carry yourself is a reflection of what you believe about yourself. So we really have to come and ask God to change the way that we think. A lot of us still haven't moved on what God is calling us to do because we need to be changed in the way that we think about ourselves. You don't need another degree. You don't need another certificate. You don't need more time. You don't need another qualification. You need to ask God to change the way that you think. It's not something that you can do on your own, right? The world will tell you that you can just say who you are and just make up all these things and cause it to attract to you and stuff like that. But the real transformative power comes from God. It comes from meditating on the word. It comes from praying and believing by faith who God says you are. It comes through all of that inner work with God that is truly transforming the way that you think. And then it also says in that same passage that Once we begin to change the way that we think, we will know God's will for us. How many of us are still asking God for direction and what we're supposed to be doing? The only way that you can actually know what God needs you to do is if one, you change the way that you think, even about how God speaks to you, right? Like we have people who don't necessarily believe that God talks to them. That requires a transformation in your thinking, right? To think and remind yourself that God is a God who speaks to his children. God is a God who hears his children's prayers and he responds. But if you don't think of God as your father, you'll begin to operate from an orphan mindset and think that God only speaks to other people or that God doesn't care about what you need or God surely couldn't have called you to do this thing because you feel that you aren't qualified. You have to begin to change the way that you think. 
When you begin to think, even from an underdog mindset, you completely rule out what God can do in your life because you're so focused on your own capacity, right? Your own or even lack of capacity that you miss the opportunity for God to perform a miracle in your life. You miss the opportunity for God to get glory even out of your weaknesses, even out of the places that seem barren in your life. There are some places in our lives where we feel like we are incapable of of producing, right? We feel like we are barren or we are in a dry place. But it's in that dry place, it's in that place where you feel the least qualified that God is going to get the most glory. Sometimes we discount what we don't have. And by doing that, we are, again, missing opportunity for God to move. If you are so strong and you have such a high capacity, what do you need God for? If you know everything, you know every single detail about what he's asking you to do, what do you need a God for? What do you need a savior for? Right? And so we need to begin to change the way that we think even about our weaknesses, because in that place, God will then supply all of our needs. He will be able to take those things and just do miracles, right? When you have a a barren place, when you have a place where you don't feel like you are enough, God can do miracles in that place, but it's only when you begin to change the way that you think. And I want to give you a powerful example of what it means to change the way that you think and show you the effects that it has um, on your faith, one, and then God's ability to do miracles in your life because God's ability to do miracles is directly tied to your faith. We see in scripture that Jesus said he could only, he couldn't do a lot of miracles um, in certain places because of their lack of faith. And we don't want to be people of lack of faith. We want to have faith that pleases God. So let's go ahead and get into this next scripture, which is one that I have been professing over my life daily. It's something that I have been prophesying and putting my name in this scripture and really just believing by faith and what it says. And it's um, a story, it's reminding us about um, the story of Abraham and how Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith. And I love this passage of scripture so much because it gives us the blueprint of what it means to change the way that you think and to prepare your life for God to do miracles. And so real quick, before I get into the scripture, just a little bit backstory for those of you who may not be familiar with Abraham's story. Um, Abraham was old, y'all, pretty much old as dirt. And both he and his wife were so old that in the natural, it seemed impossible for them to ever have children. Now, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and that he would bear a seed of his own. And we've, I talked about this before about how Sarah had unbelief in her heart and she didn't believe that God could bless her womb at such an old age and even that he could, you know, use Abraham and her to be able to produce a seed. Like they were old. And I'm not talking like 50 is the new 30 old. I'm talking like, like old, old. Okay. Yeah. Like I really need y'all to get to the point that they were old. And so that brings us to Romans chapter four, verses 19 through 21 in the NIV. We're reading an account of Abraham's faith. And it says, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. 
being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is Abraham, y'all, who was a hundred years old. Him and his wife are old. And he said, you know what, God, my body in the natural is as good as dead. In the natural, it seems like there is no way that the promise that you gave to me, that I would be the father of many nations and that I would bear a seed of my own. Even at this age, it seems like there's no way that this thing could come to pass. I'm telling you, God, if literally like there is no life left in my body. This is the resolve that he had come to, yet he still believed. He did not waver in his faith. And I begin to think to myself, wow, where did the change of thinking take place? Because we don't see all of the conversations that he had with God regarding the promise. And we know through scripture that God reminded him of the promise he made him multiple times. So throughout that promise, God began to change the way that Abraham thought about himself. He began to change the way that even he saw God and his ability to resurrect what seemed dead, which at the time, you know, was his body in Sarah's womb. And I thought that was so powerful because now we see Abraham is not somebody who was operating out of his own strength, but operating purely off of faith purely off of trust in God. It says that he did not waver through unbelief, but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God by his thinking. His thinking, his faith gave glory to God. It says that he was fully persuaded. He didn't say he was halfway convinced. He said, I am fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. And so I really believe that God wants us to get to that place where we're no longer looking at what seems dead in our life. We're no longer looking and focusing on the weaknesses or the places where we feel unqualified, but we are fixing our eyes on God. We are fixing our eyes on his capacity to do what he had promised, on his ability to create something out of nothing, to take the least qualified person in the room and give them boldness, to give them confidence, to do amazing things, miracles, all these things that would bring glory to God. God isn't looking for the best speaker. He's not looking for the person who can pray all the right words. He's not looking for the the qualified executive who checks all the boxes. God is looking for a surrendered heart. He's looking at someone who will believe him when he speaks. He's looking for someone that will be obedient even when they don't feel qualified, who will step outside of their comfort zone who will really lay down the idol of their comfort and follow him into the places that are unknown. And that's exactly what Abraham modeled for us. God has shown us over and over again in scripture that this is able to be done, but it starts with a change in our thinking. So for the rest of your time, as you begin to go into your quiet time, that is the one thing that I want you to focus on in your prayer. God, help me to change the way that I think. God, help me to change the way that I think about myself. Help me to change the way that I even think about serving you, right? Help me to change the way I think about starting a business or speaking for you or doing, you know, whatever it is that you're calling me to do. Change my thinking, God. 
And I believe that as we begin to allow God to change our thinking, our decisions will change as well. We will be empowered by the spirit of God to make decisions that are aligned with his will. Even when it's scary, even when our emotions are telling us the opposite, even when procrastination and laziness try to come in as a coping mechanism so that we can avoid being obedient, we will be changed in our thinking. We will say, okay, you know what, God? It's not looking like anything I thought it would look like, but I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to move past how I feel, and I'm going to trust that you can make something out of nothing, that you can turn my weakness into glory for you. That's the place that we're going to be, and I want to help you to take that first step. God revealed to me some key things that are really keeping people bound to their thoughts and stopping them from producing what it is that he called them to. And so I'm hosting a free class called From To Do To Done because though it may be October and the year seems like it's over, God still has stuff for you to do. And in this class, I'm going to be revealing the three reasons why your tasks are still incomplete. I'm going to be teaching you how to stop starting tasks and not finishing them. And we're going to work through a plan for you to move again from to do to done. This is not a time management class where I'm going to be giving you a bunch of hacks. This is going to be us getting to the root, God revealing what is really stopping you because a lot of us have been just avoiding this uncomfortable place that God is calling us to. And I want to reveal to you exactly what is stopping you so that you can move forward. So join me on Thursday, October 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to learn what you need to do to go from excuses to execution. We're not playing around with procrastination. We're not playing around with insecurity. We're getting to the root and we're going to move. So don't sit on this. I don't offer free classes often. Get your seat. Click the link in the show notes and don't miss it. This wraps up another episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. Again, don't forget to click the link in the show notes to secure your seat. I love you all so much. If you found this episode helpful, please text the link to a friend so they can get right to. I love you guys so much and I'll talk to you on the next episode.